You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. In today's message, Pastor Jonathan continued the series, Courage to Connect. There's no better way to connect than through life groups. Life groups are a great way to meet people who genuinely care about you and are willing to do life with you. We're at the beginning of our new life group season, and what a better time to connect to a life group than right now. Life group topics range from family, marriage, finances, and much more. Check out the life group directory at intlfamilychurch.com to find the perfect life group for you. Now here's today's message. Are you ready for today's message? Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, what a privilege it is to come together. It's been good to worship you. It's been good to declare you as our champion. It's been good to declare, Father God, that we are who you say we are. And Father, now that our hearts are open, now that our minds are open, we've worshiped you. Now thank you, Father God, for planting the incorruptible seed of your word in our hearts, in our souls today. That'll blossom and grow into much fruit and freedom and liberty in our lives. Thank you, Father God. We're ready to receive what you have to say to us today. We receive it by faith. We receive it willingly. We receive it ready, Father God, on the edge of our seats, making a demand on the will of God today. And we thank you for it. We're going to be participators and partners together and, and believe that you what you have for us will be exactly what we need to hear today. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. And all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. Today I want to kind of revisit um, the mandate that God gave us in the beginning of the year. You know, a mandate's pretty important. When God gives you a mandate, man, it's, it's a true assignment. It's something that we take serious and something that I've taken personal responsibility over um, and realizing it's very important. So we're going to revisit today um, our mandate for this year, the courage to connect. When you walk in the sanctuary right there on your right-hand side and as you leave on your left-hand side is, is our mandate this year. We try to keep it up to help you understand how important it is. So I want to take the next three weeks. I'm going to piggyback off the four-week series we did in the beginning of the year. We got four months left of this year, plenty of time to really understand um, this mandate. And many of you have benefited from this mandate as you yourself have taken the courage to take that next step and connect with people and connect with God and connect with the church and connect with your purpose and, and the gift on the inside of you. And so let's rehearse uh, for the sake of the, the, the power that there is when we obey God and we take serious his mandate. So here's the mandate he gave us. You remember, if you were with us in the beginning of the year, it was this. Our mandate is to create an environment that challenges all of us to move beyond ourselves, to let down our walls, remove our masks, and to step out from behind the comfort of our digital screens and have the courage, listen, the courage to cultivate true friendships and a deeper level of freedom. Amen. That's an amazing mandate. I have to say, um, I, I thought it was when it was originally given to us, it would be our most challenging mandate um, to date. And I believe it really is the most challenging mandate. Uh, the Word of God shows us what a challenging mandate that is here in James 
uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. Do the hard work. This is hard work. Having the courage to connect is hard work. Having the courage to go beyond your paradigm, beyond your experience, beyond your hurt, your disappointments, or the challenge of your personality, or the challenge of your past. This is work. This takes time. There's no doubt about it. But it's a worthy mandate, and it's one that must be uh, uh, adhered to and open to understand what God desires to say to us. Here's our big takeaway for today. Here's how, what we're going to unpack. I want you to go home remembering this. Once we understand the benefits of connecting, we will no longer settle for being alone. Too many of us are settling. Too many of us are settling because of the hard work of connecting. We're settling because we, we'd rather do it ourselves. We're settling because it just seems easier. We're settling because there just seems to be less drama. I, I got my own drama. It's just me, myself, and I, right? I got enough drama for everybody, you might think. Uh, but, but we understand something that when you get to understand the benefits we're going to talk about today, the benefits of connecting, you'll not settle for that any longer. You'll not settle for what's easy or what's comfortable. You'll recognize that there, this mandate is, is, is vital and important for each one of us, especially in the season that we find ourselves in. God has divine connections lined up for your life. Here what he does. There is power in connection. Connections bring life. Amen. The right connections bring life. We know the wrong connections can, can bring everything else but life, but we're talking about the right connections today. They bring life. For example, when a husband and wife come together and connect, right, new life is created. When the, 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 the spirit of man and the spirit of God come together, what happens when they connect? Man, new birth takes place. Amen. When fellow followers of Christ connect in unity, Psalm 133 tells us that God commands his blessing there about connecting. There's a blessing in connecting. And then when the disciples connected on the day of Pentecost, we know there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Connecting matters. Connection is important. And you know why? Because the devil fears connection. Let's be honest today. He fears connection. His ultimate aim is to cut you off from God. He tries to split marriages and undermine friendships, to divide churches, and to isolate people 24-7. He's committed to this 365 days a year. He's committed to get people isolated and to cause so much drama and issues in our lives, and, and be bound only by how we feel and our feelings and, and the circumstances of our lives um, that would absolutely divide us. And although our culture has never been more connected than ever before through Facebook and Instagram and all these online services, while that's true, we've never felt more disconnection as a nation than we do today. I believe loneliness is a pandemic in America. It really is. I've talked to so many people who, who feel more and more disconnected than ever before. 
our fast-moving lives have wrecked havoc over relationships, and we don't feel nearly as connected with each other as people just a generation ago felt that connection, the need to be connected. Yet you were and I were created for relationship. First thing that God says in reference to relationships, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. God said that humans were not made for isolation. We were made for connection. Amen. You were made for connection. Tell your neighbor, you were made for connection. Connection matters. It really does. Whatever your experience has been up till now, connection really does matter. In our world today, we have more information in the palm of our hands in your pocketbook right now or in your pocket, um, that, that, that smartphone that you have or that digital device. We have more information in the palm of our hands than the largest libraries in the world right there on the inside. And we have whatever we want to do, wherever we want to connect with and whatever information, whatever project we want to do, whatever we need to investigate or, or make reference of, um, it's, it's all there. Amen. We have connections with more people we can count. But so many of those connections are so superficial. They really are. They're so superficial. And, and we need to get beyond the superficial. We get comfortable with the superficial. We really do. And, and we have few meaningful relationships. As far as God is concerned, we are created for connection, fashioned for relationships, formed for a family. We don't reach our full potential isolated by ourselves. Did you hear that? You will never reach your full potential isolated by yourself. What, what new version, what the, what's the, the next part, the person you need to grow into, the new alliteration of the new you, what's available to you on the other side of courage? What's waiting for you if you'll just be courageous? What part of you hasn't grown yet if you'll just be courageous? What part of you hasn't been healed yet if you'll just be courageous? What part of you hasn't been set free yet if you just haven't been for, uh, courageous? What friendships are waiting for you? What, what, what business and opportunities and partnerships are waiting for you on the other side of connection? Amen. Man, my connections got, uh, has allowed me to grow beyond my wildest dreams and imaginations of the influence that I enjoy and, and the influence of others in my life all came because of connection, willing to get beyond my self-doubts, willing to get beyond my insecurities, willing to get beyond, you know, not, not uh, finally admitting I don't know it all and recognizing that, that I learn and grow through all these connections. Our human connections shape our lives more than we can imagine. And, but here's the challenge. Those of us that have grown up in America, we have this Western individualism, right? Man, we want to do it. I can handle it myself. We're like that five-year-old. I can do it, mommy. I can do it. Right? I can do it. My, I'll do it myself. And we have this attitude. And, and while that's admirable, um, while pioneers need to have that kind of attitude about we can do this, um, it, it falls short when it comes to relationships and really growing to the full potential that we have. We are fiercely independent. While the first century Christians had a whole nother paradigm, 
the, the, and most of the world today, especially in Asia and Africa and Latin America, they have a whole different view about connecting. And we are only as strong as our most important connections. Other people groups get this. But many oftentimes we in the United States and America, and depending upon our backgrounds, we just don't get the value of this. We really don't. And the Bible tells us that God gathers his people together to create a new kind of community. Let's talk about that just for a moment. What about the, what is this new kind of community? Well, the dictionary defines community as a group of people leading a common life according to a rule. Now, first glance, you might not quite understand that. Don't see the word rule here and think of do's and don'ts. No, this word rule here actually means um, common interests and guiding principles. There's a rule. It's a guiding principles. It's, a, it's a, an establishment of a, of a set of values. It's an establishment of guiding principles and, and a common interests. And, and that is what connects us, and that's what creates community. And more often than not, common interests are, in many places, are just around weather and sports and, you know, you're going to watch the game tonight and, man, all that drama going on with the Patriots and, um, right, we go work and hobbies. And, and while none of that is unimportant, it's just not very deep, right? It's just not very deep. And so while it's easy for us to talk about those things, um, nothing wrong with them. They're just not deep. As followers of Christ, listen very carefully, God sets a new standard for us. Our common interests and guiding principles must include Christ and His way of living. Amen. Amen. That's what sets us apart from any other community. That's what sets us apart from the Knights of Columbus and Moose Lodge and, and whatever club you might be a part of. This is, a, this is the church of the living God. This is a living organism. Amen. We are alive under the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are forgiven and blood-bought and we're on our way to heaven, not by works of our own, but because of the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. Christ and his way of living is that rule, that common interest and guiding principles that unite us like no other community on the face of the earth. Amen. Man, that's what we're shouting about today. What I just described is us. What I just described is, is what we're trying to do here. Really what every church should be striving for, but something we've worked hard on. Amen. The larger that we have become, the smaller we need to be. And, and community is such a vital part of this. Amen. So it must include Christ and his way of living. It's not about how much money we make. It's not about what town we live in. It's not about our nationality. It's not about the color of our skin but God's love and his divine design for your life. Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. That's where we go beyond all the minor things. We've, we've, we've taken so much time and wasted so much time majoring on the minors yeah. instead of majoring on the majors. We've made minor things the issue that divide us and the issue that cause us to stop from going deeper in our relationships by how somebody looks or acts or believes and, and that might be different than us. And that's so wrong. And that makes us radically different than any other community on the face of the planet. Amen. While it should be 
the church at large, I can only be responsible for this small C church, right? International family church. We, we, we have no power over the large C, the big church or other churches, amen, but we can make a difference here at IFC. And I might add, we are making a difference here at IFC. Amen. Amen. Now, we can trace the courage to connect way back to the fourth century, the fourth decade of the first century. And you're saying, wow, you're really going old school, right? You're really going back. Well, something happened in the fourth decade of the first century that changed the dynamics of how humans relate to each other. We can trace it right back to its roots and right to the original blueprint of what changed, what radically difference, amen, God set us apart for so that we can do it God's way. It was actually during the Feast of Pentecost, people, um, it attracted, it brought people to Jerusalem from all around the world, amen, their clothes, their languages, their food, their cultures were very different from each other. Very different. Yet when the Holy Spirit fell and 120 people praying in an upper room miraculously spoke the gospel in languages that all the people of those nations could understand, everything changed. And here's what Luke says about this and how he describes this in Luke 2, 41. On that day, this day of Pentecost, the Pentecost, this Feast of Pentecost. On that day, about 3,000 people believed Peter's message and were baptized. They spent their time learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other. Does that sound like IFC or what? Yes, Yes, no, maybe? Maybe you're still kicking the tires. You don't know that yet. Amen. They also broke bread and prayed together. Pretty amazing. Think about this. Notice what happened when a diverse group of people that were very different from each other that should have never been able to get along, should have never been able to communicate, should have never been able to say, you know what, we, we, we have, maybe we do have more in common than we do that separates us. Uh, in the midst of all that diversity, the Holy Spirit's outpouring brought them together brought them together to major on what was more important than the minor things that divide us. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amen in today. Amen. Right? The Spirit of God united them. Amen. People say all the time, how in the world did you get 60 different nations to be under one roof? It's the Spirit of God who did it. How in the world? Tell us what you did, Pastor. I've got pastors all the time saying, give me three steps. Give me four steps. I said, you got 38 years? Right? You got 38 years? Oh, sure, there were some things that we we purposely did. There's no doubt about it. But this is a gift from God. It's a gift from God, and we recognize the gift that God gave us. We recognize that this is something God did. It's divine. That's why we protect it. That's why we don't tamper with it and make silly jokes about it. That's why we don't get frivolous and casual with it. Why? Because we realize, I realize, what an amazing gift God has given to us. Amen. But it's the Holy Spirit that united them. Then Luke went on with a little bit more detail about this new community. And in the following days of 3,000 people giving their lives to Christ, 
their unity didn't collapse. They didn't begin to bicker. They didn't begin to draw lines in certain neighborhoods and you go there and you over here and you need to be on the other side of the tracks. And they didn't divide over the differences. They didn't, they didn't now say, well, we don't like your way of doing things. We don't like how you act. We don't like how you treat people. We don't like what you believe, right? This diverse group of people, look what, look what he says here in Luke chapter 2, 43. Everyone was amazed. I would be too. By the many miracles and wonders that the apostles worked, all the Lord's followers often met together, and they shared everything they had. They would sell their property and possessions and give the, uh, the money to whoever needed it. Their generosity was just amazing. Day after day, they met together in the temple. They broke bread together in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Everyone liked them, and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. Man, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And the Christians in the first century church, I mean, they set a high standard for every church following. Every century since the first century church, that high standard that was set, the, the pinnacle, the, the way to do it, the, the blueprint on, on how every church should be, amen, for that connection. And I believe that blueprint is something we can emulate in the 21st century. Oh, I know we're very different than the first century. I, I get it. I know we, we're not going over everybody's house every day, and I don't want you over my house every day. Um, let's just be honest, right? And you don't want me over your house every day. Um, so while we might be different in the 21st century, um, and while life is so much more challenging, amen, in so many different ways, we still have something that we have in common. We all need community. Amen. We all need community. Man, we all have that innate need to be known, that innate need to, to know that somebody cares about me and, and, and so on. So this, this, this plateau, this not plateau, this, this dream, this, this blueprint that was set for us is something that we must work at on a regular basis. Let me give you these several benefits today. In our remaining time, the benefits, you know, we can understand, okay, it's a mandate. That's great. Uh, we know mandates are serious. We would all agree with that. We know we should obey the mandate. But you know what it inspires us to obey the mandate? Well, we're really driven by wanting to know what the benefits are, right? When you give your life to Christ, the benefits are forgiveness, and you're on your way to heaven, and, and, and God loves you, and you get to know that in a greater way. There are, for every part of God's promises and God's mandates, there are benefits that go along with it. Let's talk about a few of those benefits to connecting today. Number one, we learn to value each other. We do. Not every one of us grew up in homes that we learned to value each other. Some homes were very contentious and very quiet and, and, and demanding and controlling and, and value wasn't this is something we always felt and we never, something didn't hear, I love you or we're proud of you or job well done, running sports or getting your grades or whatever the case may be. And so value wasn't something that we all shared. And, and so when you're not valued or you don't taught value, then you don't value others right? You don't value others. Years ago, our leadership team took real time and worked hard on our core values. Core values is what, when, when we bleed, 
This is what we bleed. This is what we believe God for. Core values become your guardrails that protect you from going off over, over a cliff or hurting yourself or getting into areas that we're not called to do. Might be good and noble, but not necessarily our responsibility or our vision, our mission. And so the first two, there's 10 of them. You can see them on the website. And, and every, every Sunday, uh, every dream team goes over one of those every Sunday. And they start all over again after they do all 10. Today was number six, saved people serve people. And so they rehearse that today. Um, so the first two are really the only two that really are in order, if you will. Uh, every, everyone else could be a, a different order, but the number one has to be this. It's, it's all about Jesus. Amen. That's our core value. Amen. What is that? That core value of worship. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Amen. All women to me, right? Absolutely. So worship. The second one is everyone is significant. That is value. Value. We want you to walk through these doors, and every time you do, you feel valued. You feel valued. Well, how do you know if I'm valued? Well, it's the way we treat people. It's the way the building looks. If we didn't value you, we could care less if the bathroom stunk or not. And by the way, they don't. They don't, right? Oh, that's such a small thing. No, if we value people, we're going to make sure the bathrooms are clean. We're going to make sure the lobby's clean. We're going to make sure the walls are taken care of and painted. And we're going to make sure that, that, that we, uh, as fast as we can, get the stains off the rugs from life that happens. We're going to, we're going to do certain things. We're going to take care of your kids. Right. right? Those babies are going to be well taken care of, and you're never going to get a dirty diaper. Right? right. right? You think that's small? It's not if you had a baby in the nursery. Right. You don't want to pick up the baby with this heavy whatever is in that diaper. <laughs> Lord, help us, right? Um, no, we value you. We value your teenagers. We value you as adults. We value our young adults. Amen. We value us. Why things look the way they do and why we do what we do on a daily basis. It's called value. Amen. And when you come together in community, amen, we, it helps us understand we learn to value each other. Amen. Jesus didn't care how much money you have. He doesn't care how many letters you have after your name, what you wear, where you live, if you were once in prison, or what you did and what you're doing. Amen. You are his beloved child, his delight, his treasure. He values you. Now listen, if I'm courageous, listen, it's a big one. If I'm courageous, I'll learn to value his children the same way. The same way. If I really understand the mandate, if I really have the courage, then I'll learn, even though my background might not be one of valuing people that are different than me, valuing people of color, or valuing people that are immigrants, or valuing people that have a different financial uh, uh, you know, outlook than I do, or value where they live, or where they come from, or the language that they speak, or whatever the case may be, I might not have been raised up to value them, but when we are in relationship, we learn to value each other. If you didn't learn it in your house, come to our house and we'll teach you. So what does that mean? That means I can still value you even though we have a different political understanding. I can value even though I might not like your music and you might not like mine. I might not, I'll still be able to value you even though I don't understand or get your, your cultural preference or tastes. 
Amen. But it means I love you enough to look beyond the secondary things, to focus on the primary things, and that's loving each other the way God loves us. It's a very tall mandate. It's almost impossible. Amen. It's very difficult to do this. But that's why this is a living laboratory where we learn to love each other, care for each other, forgive each other. Amen. I am not a perfect pastor, and I will disappoint you, and you are not perfect people, and you will disappoint each other and even myself. But we look beyond understanding we're all a work in progress. Yes. We're all working here. Yes. We're all getting better every year. That's why I tell people, if you don't like me, wait three months. <laughs> why? What's going to happen in three months? I'm going to grow some more. I'm going to get better at what I do. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to go deeper. Amen. I'm going to grow in my walk with God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be more Christ-like. Amen. In three more months. Amen. The principle, this principle blows out the sides of our rigid boxes, blows out the sides of our religious boxes. And, and we no longer include or exclude people based on man's criteria, such as race, origin, gender, political persuasion, financial status, ancient hatreds must die. Come on. Ancient hatreds must die. And what better place for them to die than right here in church, right here in a life group, right here on a dream team, working side by side with somebody that you might have had an ancient hatred for and didn't know it, or maybe you did know it. Maybe you were brought up to be a bigot. Maybe you were brought up to not appreciate people, and prejudice is a, a typical part of what you did, and you called people certain names, and this was natural because your grandparents did it, and your father and your mother did it, and, and it's just natural to you. When you give your life to Christ, those ancient hatreds have to die. We can no longer be that way. It's a mandate from God. We can no longer be the same that we once did. Amen. We must grow in this. In the family of God, we're going to have our disagreements, yes, but we are not going to again major on the minors and let our differences divide us. Unity isn't just a nice concept. It's God's grand design that demonstrates his love and power in a desperate world. The benefit of connecting on a team, a dream team and a life group, we learn to value and appreciate each other. Wow, that's good. That was good preaching right there. I've got to tell you. Number two, another benefit. We learn to be authentic with each other. We learn to be authentic with each other. Do you know what the word poser means? Have you ever heard that word poser? Have you met some posers? Do we have some posers in the house? What's a poser? A poser is somebody who represents themselves in a way that's not true to themselves, usually to impress. Amen. The car I drive, the way I dress, the, my pocketbook, my shoes, uh, whatever. Not mine personally, but, um, you know, uh, 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 but we're a poser. We do it usually to impress, and we're not authentic, and we never really learn who the real person is because they won't let their guard down. They won't remove their mask, and they hide behind whatever it is that they're good at or try to be good at, and that's a poser. And we don't, and, and don't get me wrong, doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of ourselves, doesn't mean we shouldn't be at our best, but when we are authentic with each other, it's not superficial, surface-level chit-chat. It's genuine, heart-to-heart, -heart, sometimes gut-level sharing. It happens when people get honest with who they are and really what's happening in their lives. 
They share their hurts. They reveal their feelings. They remove their masks. They confess their failures. They disclose their doubts. They admit their fears. They acknowledge their weaknesses. And finally, they ask for help. Amen. That's what happens in an authentic community. Authenticity is the path to emotional and spiritual and relational healing. James 5, man, nails it. James 5, 16 says, make this your, what's those two words? Say it louder. Wow, common practice? I mean, this shouldn't be every once in a while. This shouldn't be just Easter and Christmas. All right, this is a common practice, meaning... Yes, it's just known that's how we live. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. They don't be caught off guard by this word sins. I mean, it obviously means what it says, but the word, when you look it up, the word actually means areas of inability that, to produce results. It means faults shortcomings. And we all have those, right? Man, those areas that we wish I could be a better dad. I wish I could be a better husband. How do I love my wife through this season? How do I love my husband through this season? How do I get my kids to to listen? And how do I love them even though it was easier when they were seven and and five and and now 13? Oh my Lord. Um, How do we do this? So we have shortcomings. We, we don't know how to do certain things. How do I overcome my past? How do I quit being a womanizer? How do I quit being a bossy, manipulant woman? How do, I, how do I do this? How do I overcome this? How do I be a better person who handles my finances right? It's a shortcoming. I can't produce results in this area. And so when you go to a life group and you have meet new friends and people that are just like you and have gone through things and, and they've overcome, Man, can, this is how we learn in the authentic environment where we recognize this and, and we know it's a safe, supportive environment for an individual, for a, a couple, for a group, and, and so forth. So the benefit of connecting on a dream team or a life group, it opens the door to a deeper level of freedom and healing in your life. Amen. We learn God brings forgiveness, but this verse tells us people bring healing. There's a certain depth of healing that comes in the right relationship. You ready for another benefit? I know you're listening. Number three, we learn to care for one another. We learn to value one another. We learn to be authentic with one another. But when we have the courage to connect, we learn to care for one another. People were amazed at the depth of truth that Jesus taught with but they were even more impressed with how he cared for people. The deep love he had for people. It blew people away. It made the religious leaders all upset, right? They got all mad. Uh, He pushed past the social taboos of his day. He touched lepers. He impacted and interacted uh, with foreigners. He was was comfortable with the, the, the sick and he brought them comfort, the, the sick and the blind. And he had meals with task collectors. And he befriended pimps and prostitutes. Wow. He, was, he blew the minds of the people of that day. Even more stunning, these people, what, genuinely loved him back. Wow. This is Jesus we're talking about. Amen. And so it 
causes us to care deeply. Again, these families we were brought up in, maybe we don't care as much because we weren't cared for as much. Amen. And, and I, I see that happening all around us. A good example of this is one day I got a phone call uh, about somebody who was rushed to the emergency room, a woman who had a life-threatening situation happen in her life, and, and they immediately took her to the emergency room. And so I, as fast as I could, got to the hospital, and I opened the door, walked in the intensive care room, and there were already two other women from International Family Church there. Amen. And so I looked a little surprised, like, how'd you beat me here? Well, they saw the star look on my face, and, and one of them came over and whispered and said, Pastor, we're, we're a part of her life group. Yeah, we're a part of her life group. And Pastor, we're going we're gonna to see to it that whatever they're going through, we're going to be there every step of the way. And I thought, oh, that made a pastor's heart happy. Amen. And I realized and recognized that's what church should be, right? And let me answer, let me add to that, that's what this church is. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. And we're, we're, we're doing it better and better and deeper all the more. Amen. Now, I know I'm not, I'm not naive. I know we understand the 21st century lifestyle is very different than the first century lifestyle. But you know what hasn't changed? Our need to connect. Right. Our need to be loved. Right. Our need to be known. Somebody knows my name. Somebody cares about me. Somebody's there for me. How do we know when we're independent? When all hell breaks loose and there's no one there to call. There can't be anything worse than that. All hell's breaking loose, the bad report, the marriage, the this, the that, and you are all by yourself. Man, that's not God's best. That's not God's plan. That's not God's purpose. Amen. And and we recognize that, and we see that. And I, I see people and hear them all the time. Man, there, there's no one that knows their name. There's no one to check on them. There's no one to visit them in the hospital. There's no one to, to, to understand. And I get family might be thousands of miles away, but our family is right here. Amen. Your family is right here. Amen. Amen. And we have to have the courage to connect. And you think, well, how do I start doing this? Well, you know, life group might be the... the many steps for you to take. You could come early and not leave early. Instead of coming late and leaving early. That's a step, right? That might take courage for some of you. Some of you, instead of going right out the door, take a few steps upstairs and go have a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. So, have some water. Have tea. Right? Whatever. That's a small step. It might be a baby step for some people. But that's a step to say, I'll be courageous. I'll introduce myself to somebody that's next to me in the line, in a row or right behind me or in front of me or I'll lingo a little bit and I'll go to something and, and be a part of next steps or whatever the case may be. See, the two main ways we care for one another here at IFC is through joining a, being a part of a dream team or being a part of a life group. That's how we take care of people. Doesn't mean we don't have a pastoral care team. We do. Doesn't mean we don't have a department that is known for pastoral care. Absolutely. But just like it was impossible for a department to take care of 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost who gave their lives to Christ, that would be unreasonable to think that a few people would be able to take care of 300 new believers. So what did they do? They divided them all up in homes. They put them in small groups. 
They learned and they grew together and they learned together. And so, wow, we will always have a place for you to call and for a group of people to visit you in the hospital. Man, the best thing you can do for us to help you is be a part of a dream team. Amen. Amen. And be a part of a life group. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Last but not least, let's, let's end this up here. We learn, fourth benefit, we learn that connecting requires an investment of time. Relationships take time. There has to be an investment of time. You have to be willing to spend time with people in order to build connections. Our last verse, Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up the habit. There it goes again, common practice. The habit, something we do on a regular basis of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another. Amen. We can develop this habit. Amen. To say how important it is that we gather together and encourage each other. That's why we tell people all the time, Sunday morning is not enough. Oh, it's important. Absolutely. But having someone talk to you and you sit in rows and looking at the back of somebody's head, right, is, is not the best. Right? We say all the time, life happens not in rows, but in what? Circles. Amen. Circles. Coming together. Amen. Realizing there's more. Community is not built. Listen, community is, is built. Community is built not on convenience. We'll get together when we feel like it. But on the conviction that I need it for my spiritual health. Years ago, the Lord really impressed upon me the difference between preference and conviction. Preference is how most of us live our lives. We prefer red. We prefer a certain food. We prefer, you know, a certain this or that. And it's a preference. It, it can come or take. Maybe a year from now, it might not be red anymore. It might be now Chinese food instead of Italian food. I can't imagine that. Um, but, but you get the point. Preferences come and go. And depending on how hard the battle is, is preferences can be changed very easily right? There are people that I'm their pastor based on preference, not conviction. So if I say something you don't like, guess what? There's another pastor you'll go visit. Or we tithe based on preference versus conviction. What's conviction? Conviction is no-so. Conviction is we dig it deep. Conviction says, I don't care what comes against me. This isn't changing. And in fact, we dig deeper when it's a conviction. This can't be a preference. This has to be a conviction that I need it for my spiritual health. Wow. So community requires an investment of time and the benefit of connecting on a dream team and in a life group. We give up our self-centeredness and independence in order to become interdependent. That's a good word today. What gifts do you have that you're not presently using to bless others? We need you. What area do you need freedom in that if you just had a little bit more courage? It's amazing the help and the strategy and wisdom that would be available to you. Amen. There's work to be done. 
is a joy to do it. And we'll talk more about this next week. Amen. There's a place reserved for you on a dream team. And there's a group of people waiting for you to make friends with. Amen. What was our big takeaway? I want you to go home with it. Once we understand the benefits of connecting, we will no longer what? Settle for being alone. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to our feet, please. Thank you, Father. Will you do me a favor, if you can, will you raise those hands towards heaven? I just thank God for his goodness today. Thank God we go to a church that's alive, a church that cares, a church that values, a church that works hard at being authentic, a church that works hard at providing opportunities for relationship. Father, we bless you today. Tell me you love them today. Oh, Father, we bless you. I pray this word fell on good ground today. I pray it, it challenged us. It moved us. It motivates us. Father, thank you, Father, for, for, for shaking us away from what is comfortable and on to your highest and best in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.